On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I talk about the IndyCar Grand Prix at Road America and the Formula One Canadian Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hang. I'm Nathan, and alongside me virtually is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Pretty good. Ready to rock and roll on this week, and uh, there are some pretty good races. There were some pretty good races. We had two races to go over, and speaking of which, let's just dive right into those. The first of which is the IndyCar Road America Grand Prix. This, as we said last week, is uh, one of our favorite tracks, probably my favorite track. Uh, at least to drive, maybe not the most exciting for uh, to watch in racing. That one probably goes to Nashville in IndyCar, but as far and as the Detroit driver's track too. goes, Detroit was very exciting. Yes, um, but in terms of from the driver's perspective, uh, you know, calling ourselves IndyCar drivers is a little bit of a stretch, but it's definitely my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, some drivers had a, a better time driving it than others. Yeah, cough, cough, Grosjean, cough, cough, we'll get there. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, he had a rough one. Um, but anyway, let's jump right into qualifying to give you context. We'll go through the top ten. On pole position was Colton Herta, followed by Pato Award, Alex Pillow, Joseph Newgarden, and Alexander Rossi uh, to fifth. And then six through ten was Kyle Kirkwood, Christian Lingard, Marcus Armstrong, Marcus Erickson, and Benjamin Peterson. Lots of rookies qualifying in the top 10. Very cool to see. All right. Yeah. Going going into the race, Colton Hurdle led for a while in the beginning. Uh, had a pretty nice nice lead uh, from the start. Award got hit by Kirkwood into turn one. Kirkwood spun and stalled. Was able to get going before he went to lap down. Award had a pretty nice save. Uh, so he was able to keep going, but he did lose a few positions. Uh, in that whole mix, Award did get a penalty for running Santino Ferrucci off the track. Marcus Armstrong also had a strong start, getting to third place by lap four. Christian Lagarde attempted to pass Joseph Newgarden on lap five, but was shoved wide into the grass. Newgarden was not afraid to get his elbows out this race. Uh, Renus VK and... Felix Rosenqvist came together on lap 9. They both uh, kind of spun out a little bit and lost a bunch of time. Rosenqvist had a pretty nice comeback drive, though. Roman Grosjean spun off the track on lap 12, and that was just the beginning of his troubles. Uh, Jack Harvey ran off the track on the restart after that caution came out uh, on lap 15. Um, Joseph Newgarden and Alex Pillow scrapped with each other on lap 23. I believe Pillow came out on top of that one. Colton Herta passed Pillow for the net race lead on lap 30 after Herta had a slow pit stop. Herta then made a strategy mistake on his next pit stop, coming in a lap too early. Um, this led to Pillow passing Herta for the lead on lap 48, Newgarden passing Herta for P2 on lap 49. And then Award and Dixon passing Herta for P, well, Award for P3 and Dixon for P4 on lap 50. The race ended with Pillow on the top step of the podium, followed by Newgarden and Award. Yeah, that was painful to watch Herta's pit strategy bite him in the butt towards the end of that race. Yeah, it really was, and there was really no reason for it because he was, he had a good second and a half, two second lead to Pillow. 
He kind of wanted to cover off an undercut, I think is what they were thinking, but then he had to fuel save for the rest of the race, whereas everybody else just went around for one more lap and did not have to fuel save. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a, a bad call on Pit Crew's team. I don't know if that was his decision or the, the Pit team's decision, but man, yeah. that, that was rough watching him be a sitting duck for nine laps. Yeah, he did do a pretty good job uh, for a while there, but it just eventually he couldn't. He he had to feel safe more than he could defend, and uh, otherwise he would not have made it to the end of the race. Yeah, really is crazy what difference one lap makes on a uh, yeah. a pit strategy, though. Absolutely, uh, and that is exaggerated because um, Red America is the longest track on the IndyCar calendar, so one lap is actually quite a bit. Uh, I think pit stops were like what were they were they were only doing fourteen, fifteen laps max between pit stops this race. It seemed like um, so not. Uh, you don't get a lot from a full tank of fuel. <laughs> no. All right, going into the results, we had Alex Pillow, Joseph Newgarden, and Pato Award on the podium, followed by Scott Dixon and Colton Herta in fourth and fifth. Six through ten was Erickson, Lungard, McLaughlin, Kirkwood, and Rossi. Ten, uh, Eleven through fifteen was Ray Hall, VK, Power, Pagano, and Castro Neves. 16 through 20 was Ferrucci, Hunter Ray, Eilat, Canapino, and Rosenfist. 21 through 25 was Peterson, Stingray Rob, De Francesco, uh, Armstrong, Grosjean, and Grosjean. And then 26th was Jack Harvey. And then our one DNF this race was David Malukas. All right. So that kind of rounds off the Road America Grand Prix. Now we got some talking points for it. Roma Grosjean, major struggles. Oh, <laughs> I I want this guy to do do well so bad. I keep saying this every week, but he keeps disappointing me every week. <laughs> yeah, it, he just were they was he having car problems? Is that why he kept on going off, or was he just not dialed in? I really think he just wasn't dialed in. I think he got in his own head after he spun off the first time. He had several incidents in practice and qualifying. He just was not able to keep the car on the track this week at all. Even in, in an interview after practice, I think, and before qualifying, he said the car's balance was fine. He just could not figure out why they were so slow. And so I think he just tried to overcompensate and push the car too hard. Yeah, and it's kind of a punishing track to go off on. I mean, you saw some of the drivers catch air when they went off into the grass. Yeah, including Grosjean. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah he, was, yeah, he was the one I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah, all four wheels off the ground. Yeah, it's it's not a track you want to go off on. It's kind of like a Formula One track in that there's not a ton of concrete runoff like there are in most IndyCar tracks. It's uh, it's kind of just the track and then grass. And then if you get in the grass or gravel, you've got quite the excursion to get back into the onto the circuit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily the walls are pretty far away from the track and so there weren't any major major accidents especially in the race uh, there were a few drivers that had some pretty big shunts in practice Alex Pillow being one of them uh, he had a massive massive crash where you just see him flying off from the from the left side of the screen going into the wall at a very high rate of speed oh yeah uh, was that 
Was that turn three or? I don't remember which turn that was. Um, yeah, I don't remember. Um, probably turn three. That was one that most people were struggling with for most of the uh, most of the race, which is uh, a very common place to struggle. That is, uh, turn three is a ninety degree right hander, um, and you're going downhill into it, and so uh, yeah, <laughs> it essentially it's, takes it's all a... the uh, weight off your front wheels. Yeah, it's a scary, scary braking zone. There's a lot of scary braking zones on that track, and that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. Turn three, turn six, turn seven. Uh, oh, it might have been turn seven. Mm, because yeah. I think just based on the context and where... Because turn three, I don't think he would have been going that quickly. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's possible, but turn seven is a very high-speed right-hander. Uh, so he probably just lost the rear and then spun off and went into the wall past there. But anyway, for those listening who can't visualize the circuit like we can. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a right and then a right and then there's a left and a left and then there's a right and we're talking about that right. Exactly. <laughs> so just visualize it that way. Yep, yep. Uh, and the last right is a very high speed right, uh, but very tricky as well. Um, because I think it's also off camber, which being an off the high speed corner off camber can just lead to some craziness. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> we had Polo going off. We had a big incident between Will Power and uh, Scott Dixon in second practice on Friday. Um, kind of a miscommunication. Um, Roman Grosjean passed Scott Dixon on a hot lap. Dixon got out of his way and didn't see that Will Power was also on a hot lap behind Grosjean. So Dixon pulled right into the path of willpower and uh, caused a pretty massive accident, riding off both cars, essentially. Um, willpower was not very happy with, with Scott Dixon and made that very clear. <laughs> uh, so there were, there were some pretty big accidents earlier on in the weekend. Not too many in the race. We did have a few people go off, but there weren't any major any major damaging accidents, I don't think. Yeah, and there weren't many safety cars or cautions. There uh, were rather. four, I believe, right? but they were all cleaned up pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, because, again, there were no cars that even did any damage to themselves. They just got, like, beached in the gravel. I think Grosjean caused two cautions. One was Jack Harvey and one was David Malukas. Was it Kirkwood uh, one of them? or No, uh, no Kirkwood. No, that's right. Yeah. So Kirkwood caused one, Grosjean caused one. Jack Harvey caused one, and David Malukas caused one. Yeah, I'm a uh, big fan of the, uh, just being able to take a car that's spun out and just point it the right direction and get it going again. Yeah, it's pretty. That's what I like about IndyCar. One of the things is in F1, if you stall, that's it. Your race is over. But uh, in IndyCar, that's not always the case. Yeah, well, Mario actually, Kart moment. I say that, and I always thought that was true, but... Uh, in the F1 race, which we'll get to in a little bit, Guan Yu Zhou had engine trouble on the first lap. Uh, it seemed like he pulled off and stopped his engine, but then he got it going again before the marshals got back out to him. I don't know what happened there. Huh. That one kind of confused me. It was like a 60-second um, limit or something like that, or a 30-second, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know they said that you can get the car started again with the battery, but... I, I don't know what the deal is there, because I've always thought if you stall an F1 car, that's your race over. But 
Um, anyway, we're still in IndyCar. <laughs> so uh, Stingray Rob did not finish last. He did finish the race. Uh, so progress for him, I guess. He was in 22nd. <laughs> he definitely did uh, try, though. He did try. And he didn't get a lot of air, uh, screen time, which for him is probably a good thing. Yeah, the only time I remember him actually having air screen time is when he went off track. Yeah, but that was a pretty minor incident. He got on the track pretty quickly again. Um, Palo is continuing to run away with the championship. He now has a 74-point lead over his teammate Marcus Erickson. It's getting to the point where that is starting to become insurmountable. There is still There are still a few races left. Uh, but um, with over a full race win lead, uh, unless Polo gets extremely unlucky, I don't see that lead getting passed by the end of the season. <laughs> Grosjean needs to give him whatever cheese touch he's contracted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's that's kind of what it would take. <laughs> um, but even then, Marcus Erickson, who's his closest rival in second, is... Uh, falling off from where he was at the beginning of the season. He's not doing poorly, but instead of finishing in the top three, he's starting to finish more between 5th and 10th consistently. Uh, so, who knows? There's still quite a few races left. I think probably 8 or 9 at this point. Um, but it's it's starting to look like Pelot's going to run away with this. Um with that being said, Pedo Award is looking to be back on form after having a couple of uh, rough, rough races before this. He's he got third place this race, so back on the podium. Good to see from him. Marcus Armstrong is looking fantastic as one of the rookies this season. Uh, he had a great race. He well, he didn't. Where did he finish? He didn't finish very high, but that was because his team messed up. Um... He finished 24th, so I say that, but uh, his team made a strategy <laughs> mistake that cycled him to the back, um, but before that, he was in the top five and was on pace with everybody else, so unfortunately, his team screwed him over, but um, in terms of the pace and even even outside of this race, just this season overall, he's looked very good as a rookie. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, yeah. Do you think he's doing as well, not as well, or better than uh, Christian Lungard last season? Um, it's pretty close, I think, actually, because Christian Lungard last season did have a couple of races where he was turning heads, like in the top five. Um, so I'd say I'd actually say it's pretty comparable. He's doing just as well as Christian Lungard this season, I'd say, where he's... Okay, so going down into these standings, we're going to talk about how, how good Christian Lungard's doing, too. <laughs> Christian Lungard is sitting in 11th place, and Marcus Armstrong is in 18th in a 34-card field. So considering Lungard has a year of experience on Armstrong, and, he's only, and Armstrong's only seven places behind him, I'd say that's pretty good. Armstrong is the fastest, or is the top rookie in these standings right now. I'm trying to see where the other ones are. So Armstrong's in 18th. Augustine Canapino is in 22nd. Benjamin Peterson is in 26th. And then uh, Stingray Rob is in 27th. 
Um, wow, Stinger, Robin, Ben Peterson are way closer than I thought they were. I thought Peterson was having a way better season. Never mind. I th- I thought so too. I think we said that last week, but it turns yeah, out yeah, maybe that was just I, after the uh, Indy 500. We might have been ta- thinking about Marcus Armstrong. <laughs> so I don't. That's know. also entirely possible. Yeah, there's a lot of these guys. Yeah, there are, in fact, a lot of names in IndyCar to keep track of. Um, there's a lot of people looking at the standings tied in, at 88 points. Oh. Connor Daly, Augustine Canapino, Devlin DeFrancesco, and Simon Pagano all have 88 points. Uh, Weird. Speaking of Connor Daly, uh, we'll go into our paddock news a little earlier oh than I was planning on it. Um, but uh, Connor Daly has been replaced by Ryan Hunter Ray at Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, Daly was not pulling in the results that they were expecting him to, and um, honestly, that's pretty fair. Daly's been in the sport for a long time, and he's down there with all the rookies. So uh, there's there's a few drivers that I think have had their time in IndyCar and are starting to probably feel the pressure, and they're going to need to put up results to stay in, one of them being... Well, Connor Daly was obviously one. Uh, Simon Pagano is another one. He's down there in 24th with 88 points. He's been in the sport for like 10 years. Uh, Jack Harvey is another one. He's been in the sport for four or five years. He's at 83 points. Um, Helio Castro Nevis is kind of a little bit on that list in 20th, but the difference is, is he's kind of a super veteran. Got so many years of experience. He might not be as quick as he used to be, but if you need someone in your car that knows setups and knows kind of how the sport works inside and out, he's been in the sport for like 20 plus years. So, Like Sebastian uh, Vettel? Kind of a Sebastian Vettel <laughs> type character, yeah. Or uh, Fernando Alonso, but not quite as fast. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was gonna, I'm going to get spit roasted for saying that about Sebastian Vettel, but it's yeah, true. In, I said what I said. He's, yeah. He's in IndyCar for the same reason Alfa Romeo kept Kimi Räikkönen around for so long. There you go. That's what I'll say. Uh, but anyway, um, that kind of does it for IndyCar for this week. Moving on to Formula One and the Canadian Grand Prix. This is a fan favorite. Not my favorite, um, but it's a cool track. Uh, it's kind of almost a little mini Monza. Lots of straights with tight chicanes. Um so top speed is definitely a big factor here with that being said let's go into qualifying go through the top 10 on pole position surprise surprise was max verstappen third in a row (laughs) followed by fernando alonso and lewis hamilton uh and george russell and nico hulkenberg on the grid Uh, it should be noted there were a lot of grid drop penalties nico hulkenberg actually qualified second uh pretty insane for a house to be qualifying second place. Uh, the qualifying was just insane all around. It was a, it was a wet qualifying, so there was kind of just chaos. Yeah, for um, a little bit, I misread that. I thought it said Nico Rosberg, and I was even more confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hulkenberg qualified second. Unfortunately, he did get a grid drop for blocking, and uh, so he started fifth. Esteban Ocon uh, was sixth. Norris was seventh. Piastri was eighth. Albon was ninth. And Leclerc was tenth. Um, I think, let's see. Well, we'll go through the rest of it, too, because there's some big names down here. Uh, 11 through 15 was Perez, or Sainz, Perez, Magnussen, Bottas, and Gasly. And then 16 through 20 was Stroll, DeVries, Sargent, Sunoda, and Joe. 
so Perez, Sainz, and even Leclerc had horrific qualifying sessions. Perez and Leclerc for the second week in a row. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Perez in a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it's starting to raise some eyebrows in a not good way. <laughs> uh, but anyway... Going on to the race, Verstappen had a great start to maintain the lead. Hamilton also had a great start and passed Alonso for P2 into turn 2 on lap 1. Perez and Sainz scrapped for position in the first two laps, and Sainz ended up on top coming out of turn 14. Logan Sargent was forced to retire on lap 9 due to engine problems, most likely, I don't think it was ever specified, causing a virtual safety car. Russell hit the wall on lap 12, causing a full safety car. He was able to continue for a little bit longer, but dropped to the back because he had to make a pit stop. Uh, Lando Norris got a penalty for backing up the field to double-stack pit stops for McLaren during the safety car. Alex Albon had a great race, leading the DRS train for the second half of the race um, from P7, I believe. Um, Valtteri Bottas took advantage of opportunities and made his way up to P8 at one point. He finished P10. On lap 22, Fernando Alonso passed Lewis Hamilton into turn 14. On lap 35, Nick DeVries and Kevin Magnussen came together twice, sending them down an escape road the second time. Both drivers went down a lap, but neither was out of the race. They ended up sorting it out after some pretty comical three-point turns. Uh... On lap 55, George Russell was forced to retire due to brake issues. The earlier crash in the race must have damaged his brake ducts, and uh, that caused overheating. And in a track like Canada, that is not not a great <laughs> not a great thing to have. Um, brakes are extremely important in Canada. Uh, Lando Norris fought to build a five-second gap because of his penalty, but was unable to as he was stuck in the DRS train, as were most of the other drivers that weren't in the top five. Um, and that was pretty much the race. It ended with Verstappen, Alonso, and Hamilton on the podium. Leclerc and Sainz were fourth and fifth. Six through ten was Perez, Albon, Ocon, Stroll, and Bottas. Eleven through fifteen was Piastri, Gasly, Norris, Sunoda and Hulkenberg. 16 through 18, running off the finishers were Joe, Magnuson, and DeVries. And then our two DNFs were George Russell and Logan Sargent. Pretty exciting race. Uh, I think it was better than Spain. That was just that's just my opinion though. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it's been a, a pretty up and down season for races. Yeah, it has. A, I mean, it's hard because I feel like 2021 just absolutely spoiled us and then ruined our expectations, and it's going to take us a few years to recover. <laughs> yeah, in 2022 felt like it was a bust just because everybody's getting used to the cars and it's kind of hard to tell where people are going to land. But now 2023 kind of feels, I don't know, feels like it's been it's really not- inconsistent with the quality of races. Yeah, it's actually been a pretty good season. It hasn't been boring, aside from the fact that Verstappen's winning everything. Um, I think Red Bull's the only team that's won a race this year so far, so that probably adds to the kind of eh nature of <laughs> of this season so far. Yeah, at least um, for me personally, I don't know about you. Uh, watching IndyCar a lot more has definitely kind of dampened my excitement for F1. 
I yeah, I'm definitely with you there. In the and IndyCar probably, season, probably not because yeah. F1's gotten worse, but because IndyCar just it feels I don't know, it's a little more grassroots, a lot more crashes and movement. I mean, there's still things I like a lot better about F1, especially a lot of the the camera direction, uh, stuff yeah. like that, and the no commercials yeah. is also very nice. Yes. Oh my goodness. If they took the ads out of IndyCar, I think it would become a legit competitor to F1 after a few years if people started to find out about it. Yeah. Uh, IndyCar is so exciting all the time. Every race, you don't know who's going to win, except for recently it seems like Polo is becoming the Verstappen of IndyCar. Uh, but even still, for this race, even though Polo won... It was up in the air until the last five laps. Yeah, I thought Kurt, uh, I thought Kurt had it until he had that last pit stop. Yeah, exactly. And anything can happen. And there's so many cars in the field. The, and the, the way announcers the are work, really good. The announcers are really good. That's one thing I think both both series have. I think F1, like Crafty and um, what's his face? I can't even remember his name right now. Uh, but the announcers in both are are very good. I will say that. Um, camera direction is a little bit better in F1, I'd say. There's no ads, which also helps. But in terms of wheel-to-wheel racing, uh, consistent, exciting races, more pit stops, refueling, I think, is a big advantage that IndyCar has over F1. That just yeah. adds to the strategy so much. Push to pass is way cooler than DRS, I think. Yes, because you get a limited amount rather than it being predicated by where you are behind another car. Yeah, so not it's... everybody gets it at the same point. Yeah, there's so much strategy that goes on. So it pretty much IndyCar. eliminates DRS trains like we saw in the middle half of this race. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's IndyCar, <laughs> in my opinion, is starting to become my favorite my favorite series to watch uh f1 is definitely has the uh uh the sex appeal i guess <laughs> it's a good way to good way to put it it's the it's the top it's the most expensive there's only 20 seats it's it is it's easier the, to understand i think too yeah it's, it's much easier more to follow for new people that is true yeah um, Whereas IndyCar kind of you turn on a race and it feels like you're just dropping into the middle of a war zone. Yeah, I mean we've we can see from our predictions and uh, just the way we've been talking about it. Ben and I are still very much learning about IndyCar, even though this is what our second or third season watching it. <laughs> uh, we still have really no idea what's going on most of the time. Yeah, but uh, that's part of what I think makes it very exciting. Yeah, um, the IndyCar posting will continue until F1 improves. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. I'll find that. Yeah, we keep on getting sidetracked. We're we're talking about F1 again. Yep, it's okay. Um, I think it's a good sidetrack. Uh, I think praising IndyCar is is definitely worth it because it, it is a very very good series, and. Uh, I can't wait to go to a race in person sometime. I was hoping that would be this year. I'm not so sure now, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Portland's Portland, not too far. Portland's not too far, and that's what worries me, is I need to get 
other things sorted because I've only got a couple months to do that now. Uh, but anyway, that's that's not even podcast material. That's other, that's life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Formula One. Verstappen is continuing to run away with the championship. Uh, surprise, surprise. Red Bull has now won, I think they said, 10 races in a row. They just won their 100th Grand Prix in the team's history. Um, Max Verstappen, I don't know how many races in a row he's won, but I could easily see him catching Vettel's nine in a row record. This is his third in a row, right? It's his third. It was going to be his third Grand Slam in a row if he got fastest lap. Maybe that's what uh, I was thinking. But I don't remember when Perez Perez won one race. Was that Baku or did no? I think Verstappen won Baku. I don't remember, but Perez did win one race. It might have been Saudi Arabia. That yep, it was Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, so Verstappen's got to be up to six or seven in a row by now. Then, uh. So he could easily catch and pass Vettel's record of nine races in a row, especially with Austria coming up. Austria is such a Verstappen track. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad the fans have kind of moved away from the orange smoke. Yeah. That we had, (laughs) that we had last season, the season before. I hope Uh, so. We'll see. That was my least favorite trend. Yeah. Austria and the Netherlands will be the two test races to see if that's really kind of gone by now <laughs> yeah but no it, he's so much more relaxed than he was in 2021 yeah uh, 2022 kind of saw him start to kick back a little bit but 2023 is like man this guy is just coasting I yeah mean, they were making towards uh... the end of the race he just hit a curb and unsettled the entire car and just jumped it and he was like wow that really <laughs> that almost messed me up and he was like laughing about it as he was speeding yeah. That's what I was just going to say. Is he, he had that moment and he like lost control of the car briefly. And he's like, oh, wow, that could have been bad. And then he was like chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, we get it, dude. You're eight and a half seconds ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Um, it was. And then just comments from Red Bull's garage on the radio made it pretty obvious that Verstappen was in management mode the entire race and was not even really trying that hard. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of nuts. I don't think he's really had to try hard the entire season so far. Um, the only race he didn't win was because of reliability issues. Uh, yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. I, this is the most dominant car that I've ever seen, and I'm including the 2020 Mercedes in that field. Um, I've only been watching since 2018, but... Uh, it's this is this is something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really drives um, how much of a constructors championship F one is too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um The other story kind of is Mercedes versus Aston Martin. This is the battle that's gonna be exciting to watch, I think, for the rest of the season. Uh the two cars seem very, very evenly matched. Um kind of just depends on which track you're at I think is which car is going to be faster uh, Aston Martin was faster this race in Canada, Mercedes was faster in Spain um, Mercedes' upgrades 
from the beginning of the season have definitely made the made, given them a jump. They're definitely equal with Aston Martin, I'd say. Uh, so I think Alonso versus Hamilton is going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, I would say Stroll versus Russell, but that's not the case because Stroll's not been doing so great. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's Alonso being that good or if it's Stroll not being that good. Uh, and the car is not great. I, I don't I don't know. It's hard to tell where the car is at or if Alonso is really just that good. I don't know, because when Alonso has bad days, it's not like Stroll is there picking up the slack. Exactly. Stroll's been struggling to get points, and Alonso's been consistently top five, if yeah. not top three. Yeah, Stroll beat Bottas into the points today by like three hundredths of a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought Bottas finished 10th, but he finished 11th, didn't he? Yeah, and not uh, to discount Bottas, but Bottas and an Alfa Romeo and barely beating him to the points and arguably the second most dominant car on the grid. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, Bottas did get 10th. Yeah, because of uh, Norris's penalty, that's right. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, so Stroll ended up 9th, getting 2 points, and uh, he now has 37 points on the season, and Alonso has 117 so there's quite a gap there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Stroll's been struggling. Russell has been very good this season, but did not have a good race this, this week. Um, he made a mistake and hit the wall. Could have happened to anybody, really. It did happen to a couple people, almost. Yeah, almost um, happened to Verstappen. Almost happened to Alonso. Yeah, it's... it's Canada's curves are kind of unpredictable sometimes um but uh yeah i mean it just happens he made a mistake and it ruined his race that it happens to the best of drivers yeah it was impressive uh, how long he was able to go after that though that was an indycar moment right there crashes his car into a wall and they get it right back out on the field yeah it was very impressive he only missed like fifth the last 15 laps of the race and considering he had brake duck damage uh, in a track where you have two extremely high or heavy braking zones, uh, and he was able to make it as long as he did. That was pretty crazy. I mean, he made it back up to P8 from, like, the back of the field. So, Russell's still a very quality driver, but he's he is still prone to mistakes like everybody else. Um, I see you put a bullet point on here. Who is the worst rookie? What is, what's your thoughts on that, Ben? Well, I just put it in now because we were talking about uh, Christian Lingard and Armstrong and the rookies in, or well, I guess Christian Lingard isn't a rookie in uh, IndyCar anymore uh, in his second season. But talking about the rookie performances in IndyCar got me thinking about the rookie performances in F1 and how they really haven't been very strong this year. Or no. At least we haven't really heard that much about them. Uh, I know last year they were kind of higher profile because he had, of course, uh, Mick Schumacher, and no, Mick Schumacher wasn't a, a rookie. That last was season no, that was two years ago. Uh, last season was Zhou Guan Yu, and uh, was that the only one? There, I think there was another one. Was there? Let's go to the standings and see. I think so. I'm yeah, I'm scanning through the list. I don't think any of the rookies got booted last year, so. I think it was probably just Joe. Wow, okay. 
Possibly. Yeah. yeah. Joe like Joe showed some promise last year. I mean, he was right up there with Botas for a lot of it, aside from the car problems. Yeah. Um, but this season, I feel like you're not really seeing kind of the same flashes of brilliance from a lot of the rookie drivers. I would say, with the exception of Oscar Piastri, has yeah. been extremely good for a rookie. Yeah, Oscar Piastri uh, had some pretty good moves with Norris this race, actually. Yeah, I think in a couple years he's going to be a top-tier driver. Um, unfortunately, he'll be at McLaren still, most likely. <laughs> uh, I don't... I'm, I'm a McLaren fan, so this hurts me to say, but McLaren, after watching them the last few years, seems like the management has not, not been the best, and I don't really see them jumping that hurdle for quite a while. Um it, I mean, I could be proved wrong, obviously, but they've been so inconsistent in the last two years, have not been their best. Yeah, they've uh, been falling off more and more. I think 2021 was kind of their peak. Yeah, when they got, I think, third in the championship, third or fourth. Yeah, yeah, they're even challenging Mercedes in some of those races. They, for a couple of the races in 21, they were the fastest car. Like, uh... They won Monza in 2021, and then they yep. should have won Russia in 2021, but they made a strategy mistake with rain and uh, poor Lando. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still, still hunt for his first win, which actually kind of surprises me. Uh, I mean, I guess not really. It doesn't really surprise me, but Lando Norris is such a high caliber driver that I think he just needs to get into a team that can give him race wins and a lot of people think that he will be lewis hamilton's replacement at mercedes when hamilton decides to call it quits interesting even before Ocon, because uh, i know Ocon has kind of been thrown to that mix too i don't know i mean Ocon has there's a lot of drivers being thrown in that mix a lot of people think it might be mick schumacher because russell would be a number one and mercedes oh, yeah. doesn't like having two they don't mercedes generally doesn't like having two super high caliber drivers because of what happened between Hamilton and Rosberg. Um, so it's it's hard to say. If they want to do a number one, number two thing, then I think Schumacher might be the pick. If they want two high-quality drivers, then they'll either choose Alcon or Norris. Um, I honestly think Norris is better than Alcon. Yeah. But Alcon is also very good. I'm not trying to throw shade here. That's the thing, is all of these drivers are good, with the exception of a couple. Uh <laughs> But in terms of worst rookie, to go back to the question, it's definitely between DeVries and Sargent, and I would probably probably give it to DeVries. Yeah. Well they're they're pretty they're pretty equal on that footing, but DeVries has so much more experience in motorsport and he's been a development driver for F one teams for so long. Uh his his name's I think he's sure. Yeah, I think he is underperforming from where people expect him to be more than Sargent is. That's a good that's a good way to look at it. Sargent definitely had lower expectations versus the rest of the rookies, I think. Uh given yeah. not just the team that he's going to, but uh his performance in the his previous racing area. Uh and just his name's not brought up in conversation much at all uh before he was in F one. Yeah, it's kind of a miracle that he even got into F1, if you know that story. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. I love seeing that American flag on the standings, no matter where it is. But absolutely, yeah, it's it's great having an American in the sport. It's been a while. Alex Rossi was the last American in F one, and that was in like twenty fourteen, I think. Uh, so it's it's been a hot minute since we've had a an American driver in the sport. It's really great to see, um, and I think. Sergeant might have been moved into F1 a bit prematurely, but I think he, with that being said, is handling it very well. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like your uh, the way of looking at it as Nick DeVries is kind of the most underperforming, but not necessarily the worst. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Logan Sargent, though, Williams has been possibly making progress. They brought some upgrades this week and Albon has said that he thinks they are pretty major upgrades that will bring them well into the midfield and he said that before the race before qualifying and he actually backed that up in the race and in qualifying um Albon finished p7 uh Sargent had an injured failure unfortunately for him so we didn't really get to see what he got to do and I don't think he even had the upgrades on the car quite yet probably no, he next didn't next race he probably will um so we'll see what happens there but albon looked pretty comfortable in that p7 he was he was definitely holding everybody up at the at the top of the drs train but that would be any midfield car really because the the first car in the drs train is the car that doesn't have drs and so um the fact that Albon led the DRS train for, I'd say, probably over half the race is pretty impressive, considering he's in a Williams. And he held George Russell behind him. Granted, Russell had a damaged car, but even still, he held Akon behind him. Uh, Akon, Bottas, Piastri, and Norris were all behind him, and they were all trying to pass him consistently for the entire second half of the race. Yeah, and I would say Akon in that Alpine is probably... One of the faster midfield drivers uh, in the race. And yeah, for, Akon and, and Norris. by Albon so much. Yeah. Norris was very impressive this race, too, in that yeah. McLaren. Um, unfortunately, he got that penalty, which uh, I understand why he got it. It just kind of sucks. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of his racecraft and driving, Norris had a very good race and was definitely making passes. Um, yeah, did McLaren bring any upgrades recently? I think they did in Spain or Monaco, one of the two. Yeah, because I haven't uh, noticed them faster, but this race it actually seems like they're preparing to enter the conversation a little bit more. They definitely seem like they're a solid midfield team now, rather than approaching back marker. Yeah. Uh, so they've definitely made progress. They're up there with Alpine, and, uh, well, they're, they're kind of up there with Alpine. And then there's some other names that get kind of mixed in there. Aston Martin with Lance Stroll is kind of always in that area, but he's kind of underperforming, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Bottas had a good race. You don't usually see Alfa Romeo up there that high. Uh, so, I don't know, McLaren might start challenging Alpine in that kind of neck of the woods in the midfield. Unfortunately, they've had such a bad first first part of the season, I don't think they're going to catch Alpine. 
I think we said last week Alpine's really on an island. Uh, looking at the standings, they have 44 points, and McLaren is right behind them with 17 points. So they've got some work to do. Yeah, it's um, a really weird point spread for the teams this season. It is. Alpine, yeah. Alpine's on an island. Ferrari's by themselves. Then it's Mercedes and Aston. Red Bull way out in front with almost double the points <laughs> of Mercedes in second. Uh, oh my gosh. I bet they'll be yeah. over double. Or at, at, they'll be at double after Austria. Yeah. I mean, if they're at... No, I don't think that's how math works. I'm trying to think of how I'm trying to think of how early Red Bull can win the championship. Um, oh yeah, but it's it's not going to be very many more races. I don't think. <laughs> uh, I think they'll definitely have it wrapped up by Singapore. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Verstappen had it wrapped up earlier than that. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know. Perez is still. Only, I say only, he's only 69 points behind Verstappen. Uh, but that's almost three whole race wins. Um, there's there's a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, I don't see anyone catching Verstappen, but that's just me. Uh, anyway, going through the standings real quick. I don't know if we really need to, actually. It's Verstappen, Perez, Alonso, Hamilton. Uh, and then kind of the midfield with signs, Russell, Leclerc, Stroll, Ocon, Gasly, Norris. It, it goes down from there. <laughs> hmm. Um, everybody's pretty close after that. Uh, Albon's got seven points now. He did make a pretty large jump. He jumped, uh, he had one point, I think, before this. So he jumped from what would have been, what, 18th to, I didn't put the numbers up, but that looks like 12th-ish. Uh, so Alex had a good race and I think he, I think Albon is one of the more underrated drivers, uh, just to sidetrack again a little bit. I mean, um, he did race for Red Bull shortly. He did race for Red Bull. He kind of got lucky to get into any seat when he joined Williams. Um, I think he is a way better driver than he gets a lot of credit for. I think Max Verstappen just ruined his reputation, which he kind of does to people. Yeah, um, I think people are still sore after Gasly got dropped mid-season. Yeah. Well, Gasly's finally starting to recover from that. Albon is finally <laughs> starting to recover from that. It's about to happen to Perez. I know we said we'd talk about Perez, so we might as well do that now. Yeah. Uh, Perez is performing the same, if not a little worse, than Albon and Gasly were. Uh, in this stage of the the season. Yeah, what's the um, opposite of a hype train? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a hype barge? It's no, that's too <laughs> slow. Uh, the disappointment dinghy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All aboard the Perez the, disappointment dinghy. The disappointment dinghy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he's. I mean. The thing is, is when Albon was paired with Verstappen, Albon got dropped when he was finishing 6th or lower. Uh, Gasly got dropped when he was finishing 6th or lower. They were both half a second behind Verstappen in qualifying. You're seeing Perez almost a full second behind Verstappen in qualifying most races, and he is finishing 6th or lower. Um, so, if Perez doesn't turn it around quickly, I 
don't see Red Bull hanging on to him for very much longer. Now, the question is then, who do they pick up? Uh, if they want to... it's There's so many names, so I guess we won't go into that. But <laughs> uh, What's your top name? Uh, top name? Yeah. Uh, top name I think they want is Lando Norris. Top lane I think they name I think they have a chance to get and would actually take. That's a tougher question. <laughs> That's a yeah. way tougher question. Because there's so everybody's locked into the contracts right now is the problem. Is there's not a lot of people out of contract at the end of this year that would want to go to Red Bull. Uh, yeah, and I don't think there's any chance they pull from AlphaTauri. No, that's the thing, is Sunoda's not good enough. No. Um, DeVries definitely is not good enough. Uh, I think what might happen is Perez stays till the end of the season, AlphaTauri drops either Sunoda or DeVries, probably DeVries, and they pick up, um, oh, what's his name, Liam Lawson? from mm. I think he's in Japanese Super Formula this year. Uh, and he's been, I think he's winning the championship by a large margin. Um, so I think they would pull Liam Lawson into AlphaTauri for the first six months of next season. And if Perez has not improved by the midpoint of next season, that's when they would do the driver swap. Gotcha. Uh, but there's so much, so many moving parts there that have to happen, but Perez is out of contract at the end of next season. And so... I, if he doesn't make marked improvement at the very latest by the end of next season, they're going to choose somebody else. I almost guarantee it. Carlos Sainz? Possibly. That Honestly, that would not I surprise me. I could see me. that. I could see that. Sainz already drove in the Red Bull Academy for, Alpha, for uh, it was Toro Rosso at the time. Um, his dad has major ties to Red Bull. That this whole, the whole Sainz family has ties to Red Bull. That's where Carlos started. So that would be kind of an interesting story. Uh, I know Ferrari would probably be looking to get... Uh, who would they be looking to get? I don't know on that one either. But... <laughs> uh, I, I, don't know. I feel like Sainz has been... I think Ferrari has been underperforming for Carlos Sainz. I don't know. It seems like... I don't know. Because he's doing so well at McLaren. Yeah, And he, he was doing pretty well in Ferrari when Ferrari had a competitive car. I mean, he wasn't up there with Charles Leclerc. Uh, but it seems like this season, with the fall-off of the car, Sainz has fallen off more than Leclerc has. Except for well, maybe you, races, right? Well, you say yeah. that, but Sainz is 14 points ahead of Leclerc in the championship right now. Shit, he is. Never mind. Yeah. Um... I was looking at the red, and I just blanked out. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, so, but what's interesting about that is it's clear they're still making Leclerc their number one driver. Yeah. And Sainz is playing second fiddle, even though Sainz has been faster, arguably, this season. And a lot of the races, they told Sainz not to fight Leclerc the entire race, this race in Canada. Um, when he said, he's like, I've got more pace than this, I can go faster. But they told him to stay behind Leclerc for whatever reason. Uh, so obviously Leclerc is Ferrari's golden boy, uh, but Sainz is an extremely talented driver. Uh, I'd say up there with all the 
all the big talents right now, especially. Um, so if Red Bull wanted to poach Science, I think that would be huge. Yeah. I think I think they could do it too because I think eventually science is going to get to the point where you know if he's consistently as fast or faster than Leclerc and he's not getting treated that way he's going to want to go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Ignore the part where I got science and Leclerc mixed up. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. There's a lot of names, so many names between the two series we talk about. <laughs> uh, but uh, Ooh, yeah, Alex so we already did the to Ferrari. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, Pelos in the McLaren camp right now. So, <laughs> but uh, honestly, that could—that's another name that could be in F1 soon because I know he has interest. He tested an F1 car a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that's again another sidetrack. <laughs> um, Maybe next episode. Yeah, but I mean, if Pelos wins a second championship in IndyCar and he feels like he's been there, done that, then maybe he wants to move over to F1. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's Red Bull's replacement. Oh man! Could you a rookie? No, there's no going way. Going straight there's no from way. IndyCar to Red, but what if a rookie, but a two-time IndyCar champion though is the thing. So yeah, mm. it would take him a little bit to get up to speed, but I think he'd get up to speed faster than most rookies would. And he would be—he would want it. He'd be hungry. Oh, very hungry. Um, but anyway, okay. Let's okay, we're on. done. We're done. <laughs> Pit stop championship. We'll go through the top ten uh, for this week. It was Perez and Verstappen were the top two, uh, followed by Alonso, Piastri, Sunoda, Norris, Stroll, Ocon, Hamilton, and Joe in the points. Um, standings haven't changed much. Perez still very much on top, followed by Leclerc and Ocon, and then Verstappen in fourth. Science in fifth, Sunoda, Norris, Gasly, Piastri, and Hamilton running off the top ten. And then as far as constructors go, Red Bull is way out in front, followed by Ferrari and Alpine and McLaren and Mercedes. Uh five through ten or six through ten is Alpha Tauri, Aston Martin, Alpha Romeo, Williams, and Haas. Overtake of the week. I gave this to Lando Norris for his overtake on Valtteri Bottas on lap 64 of the Canadian Grand Prix. He absolutely sent it down the inside of the hairpin in Canada. Uh, I think Bottas switched back on him, but Norris kept it going around the outside and then managed to make the overtake stick. It was pretty impressive. Norris did that twice, once to his teammate and once to Bottas. The one that Bottas was a little bit more impressive for me, so that's why I gave it to that one. I agree. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, another honorable mention was Christian Lungard on, I think it was Alexander Rossi. Um, wasn't really an overtake, which is why I didn't get overtake of the week. Rossi was coming out of the pit lane, and so he was slow, and he was parked on the apex of turn one in Road America, and Christian Lungard basically didn't even slow down and just absolutely sent it around the outside so he didn't get caught behind those cars that were coming out of the pits. <laughs> yeah yeah i love that pit entry or, or pit exit area yeah it creates some interesting moments for sure um but going into our predictions let's start with last week's uh for road america pole position what did you say ben i had grosjean on pole position which was a fair guess uh but unfortunately grosjean had a week to forget yeah. Uh, I had O. Ward, who qualified second, so I was so close. Also a fair guess, but, yeah. Yeah, but it went to Colton Herta, 
which no one saw coming. I'm very happy about that, though. Yeah. All birds are heard of hype train. Back on track, baby. He got off the dinghy. Uh, (laughs) But Herta has, it's been a while since he's had a good weekend, so he needed this. Even though he finished fifth, uh, I'd say this is a a good weekend for Colson Herta. And that wasn't pace or any mistakes like he usually makes. That was pit strategy mainly. Yeah, not his fault. Um, podium. We both actually did pretty well here. Yeah. Uh, the podium was Pelot, Newgarden, and Award. What did you say, Ben? I had Award, Pelot, and Dixon. Not necessarily in that order, but yes, you know, just overall. Yep. And I had Award, Newgarden, and Power. So we both got two of the podium sitters and uh, one of them wrong. And the two that we got wrong were actually like within the top six, I think. So Power uh, finished 12th, didn't he? Did he finish 12th? Actually, he did. He was just in front for a little while because of doing really his well. strategy. Yeah, and then he had an unfortunate incident. That's Oh, yeah, he finished 13th. So, okay, never mind on my guess, but... Uh, Regardless, okay. Winning pit stops was three. What did you say, yep. Ben? I had one, two, if you had two. And I guessed three. So that's the second week in a row I've got the pit stops right. I'll take it. Yeah, I knew two was going to be too conservative, but four just seemed like a lot. Four did seem like a lot, yeah. Um. All right. Canadian Grand Prix. Let's remind everybody of the top five. It was Verstappen, Alonso, Hamilton, Leclerc, and Sainz. What did you say, Ben? I had Verstappen, which was right, uh, and then I had Hamilton, Perez, Russell, Alonso, and Stroll. Stroll was your dark horse. Correct, yeah. Uh, I had Perez winning the race. I, my prediction was that Verstappen would meet the Wall of Champions, and that did not happen. Um, it almost happened. <laughs> uh, he almost he, lost it on a curb, but... Um, merely laughed it off. Yes, just a chuckle, and that was it. Uh, so I had Perez winning, followed by Alonzo, Hamilton, Russell, and Leclerc. Nico Hulkenberg was my dark horse. I was so excited for oh, after man. qualifying, yeah. and then and then it just went downhill very quickly, uh, which is to be expected if in a Haas. Um, Sigh. <laughs> all aboard the disappointment dinghy there. Yeah. Uh, but I got Alonzo and Hamilton correct. Everybody else was wrong. Um, yeah. Fastest lap went to Sergio Perez. What did you have? I had Russell. And I had Alonso. And then the driver of the day went to Alex Albon, which I think he much he very much deserved. Yeah, that was awesome uh, to see. I had to stroll. Uh, he did not deserve it. No, he did not. And I had Hamilton, who I think was second. He got second place for driver of the day. Yeah, see? That could be a toss-up. Yeah. Uh, but I, I even voted for Alex Albon. <laughs> I was sitting on my couch, and I'm like, yep, it's Albon. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right. This week's prediction: uh, the upcoming races we have for IndyCar is the Mid Ohio Grand Prix, which is an oval, and the Austrian Grand Prix for Formula One, which is the Red Bull Ring. Uh, one of my favorites to drive. Uh, very short track. Pause for a sec. This is Nathan from the future. Ben and I looked it up after we recorded this episode, and Mid-Ohio is actually not an oval. It is a circuit, just like most of the other tracks. Uh, we're stupid. Uh, carry on. Um, but anyway, Mid-Ohio for IndyCar. What do you got for pole position, Ben? I had Newgarden for pole position. And I have Ericsson. Two uh, uh, Indy 500 winners right there. Yep. Two oval specialists for sure. Uh, well, Newgarden's kind of an everywhere specialist. Yeah. Um, 
but all right, podium. What do you got? Man, after seeing Herda, I was like, "Yep, Herda hype train is back on." So I got Herda, Polo, and New Garden. And I have New Garden, Award, and Polo. So we once again <laughs> share two and uh, have <laughs> one different. Um, all right, winning pit stops. What do you have? Got four. And I have three. Sticking uh, with the three pit stops. I'm sticking with it, but it's <laughs> probably going to be four because oval things. Yep. Um, so, all right. Uh, and then, well, uh, <laughs> if we had a segment for the disappointment dinghy, we'd both put Grosjean, I think. Yeah. Because it's an oval. <laughs> There's no way he makes it out of this one. <laughs> all right. Better award. Uh, yeah, it could be. Award is either winning ovals or crashing. Uh, yeah. So, um, we'll see. Uh, Austrian Grand Prix for Formula One. Give me your top five, Ben. Well, you know it is Austria, so it's got to be Verstappen. Uh, then I got Hamilton, Alonso, Perez, and Russell with Magnussen as my dark horse. Okay. And I also have Verstappen winning, followed by Leclerc, Alonso, Hamilton, and Russell. This is also a Leclerc track. He usually does pretty well here. So that's why I have him in second. And then I have Lando Norris as my dark horse because he's been consistently doing better. I like it. All right, fastest lap. Verstappen. We both put Verstappen. <laughs> yeah. All right, driver of the day. I feel like it's going to be Verstappen. Uh, I was going to say Verstappen, but then I saw that <laughs> I couldn't put Verstappen. <laughs> we couldn't both have it for fastest lap and driver of the day. So I decided fun. to put Leclerc. It would be kind of fun. But uh, I, I said Leclerc because if Leclerc gets second, he'll probably have had a pretty good race. Yep. Um, all right. Moving on to Ben's words of wisdom. What do you got for us this week, Ben? Yes. I recently drew jumped onto the plug-in electric hybrid hype train. I'm not full electric yet because I actually like driving places and not having to recharge for three hours at a time on my road trips. But uh, Cough, cough, Tesla. I've <laughs> never name drop any brand like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've really been getting into the uh, diversifying of, you know, things like where you get your power from, um, moving to a, a new house well not a new house but new to me house ish uh, anyways uh, at the end of summer and I've been looking at all these things like oh what if we could do like solar energy and like city power grid and we could do like city water and we could have a pump not that Lane County heard anything about me having an in-ground irrigation pump um, because I definitely don't uh, rainwater collection all that stuff so like really getting into being able to diversify where you get all these really critical things that you need to live a quality life. Uh, so being single source on things can be nice because it simplifies supply chains, but it's nice to be able to have multiple redundancies and backups for the things that you need every day. Awesome. Good stuff, Ben. Uh, it's really just me moving into a new house excitement. I'll make sure to edit out the part about the, the in-ground irrigation pump. <laughs> I don't think uh, that any Lane County officials really listen to it, but I don't know. Who knows? If you do, please be chill. <laughs> <laughs> We're not hurting anybody. <laughs> I swear it's just water. 
Alright, thank you everybody so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Rev Hang, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you want to see updated standings for IndyCar and F1 or a calendar of upcoming races from all sorts of different series, check out our website, RevHang.com. If you have a question about racing or about us, hit us up on Twitter using hashtag RevHangPodcast and we may feature your question on the next show. You can also follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and myself at 2N underscore squared. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about the Formula One Austrian Grand Prix and the IndyCar Mid-Ohio Grand Prix. Until then, I have been Nathan. And I'm Ben. Thanks for hanging out. See ya.